You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Well, we're back today with a very exceptional guest and another exceptional guest. LCC Emeritus President Dr. Brent Knight is here, as well as Matt McGowey with Mayot Architects, Mayot Group Architects. Mayot Group Architects, yep. And I'm so thrilled, both of them, obviously having Dr. Knight here, but I've been trying to get Matt down here for a minute, and here they are. Welcome, Dr. Knight. Great. And Matt, welcome. Thanks for having me. Art Happens Here. And you're part of Art Happens Here because many of the projects that we collaborated on and some that I had nothing to do with, you were heavily involved in from a design standpoint. I can't imagine what it must be like being an architect and designing structures that stand for decades that your kids are going to drive by. Something about that. It's, I guess, the same as artwork. Well, today, just to talk about a few projects and mainly points of inspiration, I'm going to start out with the big one that I've been putting off because I don't want to be down here talking about it by myself, is the sculpture Upward Bound. This sculpture resides on our quad at the top of a hill in the middle of our downtown campus in Lansing. It's beautiful. It's stunningly beautiful, day or night. Can you describe it for us, Matt? I'd take a swipe at it, but I'd rather have you do it. Uh, yeah, sure. It's it's kind of a, a three-dimensional, uh, unique from every view type of sculpture. We talked about a lot of things and landed on what I think is a really unique piece for the Lansing area and for campus. We've got three kind of uh, steel fins that extend up from a base and the paint job, the coatings on each of the, the three is is unique as well. And so there was a lot of effort put into the detailing so that from afar you could pick up on the uh, kind of the shape and style of everything. But once you get closer and actually start to look at more of the details, then you really get to see kind of the uniqueness of each of the pieces. Each one is rotated slightly differently, angled slightly differently. They're all different heights. But as you kind of walk around and take a look at it, you can really kind of delve into some of the differences. And and really, the thing I like the best about it is depending on the weather and kind of the outdoor environment, it reads differently Mm -hmm. and and has a different look. And so the lighting from below is, uh, is a nice piece as well as it moves from daytime to into the dusk and at night. And so, yeah, it it was just an opportunity to really kind of play around and do some things, but on a scale that we hadn't really approached on any of the other pieces on campus that I think gave us an opportunity to do some fun things. Yeah, it's a centerpiece for sure. And Dr. Knight, with like challenging Matt with this work, what did you tell him? I mean, what what did you impart to him to come up with this design? Well, that space, for the most part, was, in my opinion, not planned. There was a structure there, and it was demolished. So the hill was just where the structure was, Mm -hmm. and it was filled in. It had no plan. Mm -hmm. And at one time, there had been a city street in front of it. And... I saw it as a major part of the college that was not finished. The hill was taller. It was difficult to access where the stairway is now. 
you really couldn't access it from that point. My conceptual goal was to redesign the whole space and then have a commanding work of art, sculpture in the center as a way to finish the space and have the campus be complete in a sense. Mm -hmm. So that's where we started from. The first order of business was to knock the hill down as far as we could. And so Tim Martz and I collaborated on that. And over several years, we arrived at a point where Tim had worked civil engineers. And and so at one point, we leveled it, mm-hmm. took a lot of soil out of there. Topped, uh, chopped off about five foot, five feet of it? So? Yeah, we chopped off a whole lot of it, and there was a lot of cubic feet of, mm-hmm. of soil and mm-hmm. hauled it away and then flattened it so it could get maximum use. Mm-hmm. And then the stairway was designed. Did you design the stairway? Uh, we worked with civil engineer landscape okay. architect to do that. Because... Yep. It had to be a stairway that worked in form and in function. That was not easily done. It took a good plan. I mean, it had to look right and work right and serve the purpose. And the stairway was an important part of it. And then on the north side of the site, we had to make it ADA accessible. And again, you're on a hill. And that was a challenge. And then on the west side, you had to make it so there was a major pedestrian thoroughfare, a sidewalk. And that had to work. And then on the south side, you had Guitar Plaza. And it was, again, the center of the campus. Mm -hmm. And it was going to be there for hundreds of years, 100 years. You really don't know, but a very long time. Mm -hmm. And... The work of art, the sculpture, had to command the space. And you're up against large structures on all sides, really. Truly. I mean, the HHS is an imposing structure. Mm-hmm. So on all four sides, you got big buildings. So you need something big enough to make it work. In my earliest conversations with Matt, I mean, we talked about all of that. And I said something like an obelisk and because I had been in Paris and seen other monuments like that that were tall and Mm -hmm. large and command a space. Mm -hmm. So I suggested something like an obelisk to Matt and then he came up with on their own the three spires and then we worked on that and there's a whole lot of questions like How's it going to be oriented? What's the base going to be? How wide and how thick and how tall? I know that I kept saying taller. (laughs) Did he? Yeah. Kept making them taller. (laughs) He did. Because I wanted it to command the space and be really significant for the college and have it be a work of art that would be appreciated and remembered. So that's how we went. And then the process of making them, I mean, you're in a harsh winter weather condition. 
you have to make them really durable. So then the galvanizing, the fabricating and the galvanizing, and they're so large, how do you get them to the galvanizing? And Didn't the galv like double the weight? Isn't that what I heard? Uh, it may have. It was a big process. And yeah, just the movement and the craftsmanship that went into the basic welding that seems like it should be fairly achievable, but the scale of it just made it that much harder and getting to go see the steel guys in the shop working on that. Is that Douglas? Douglas Steel did mm-hmm. that. And yep. then yeah. transferring it over to the paint shop and watching those guys, yeah. I, you know, it's it's easy enough to paint a wall. Well, it can be, but uh, what these guys had to do of they, rolling around on their back. and He wouldn't and show they, me. I mean, I went over there because I was over there a few times. And they developed a proprietary system for moving it around the shop, those right. pieces. Yep. And he gave me a glimpse, but he didn't want to, because they had to come up with this. They had to like, to get it around their, their paint shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were huge. And you had to have a paint booth that would accommodate oh, those. Yeah. And then you have to lift them. And not only that, they had done the sculpture in front of the administration building. Mm-hmm. And they are just most expert painters and finishers and then they on their own came up with their plan and how the shades change as it goes up i remember you pitching that to me they (laughs) they exceeded expectations yeah they they were the real deal executed an awesome finish and durable paint and i'm most proud of it again the whole thing exceeded my expectations and I'm delighted with what Matt and the craftspeople that made it all happen and the color selection where well, you did a lot of the color. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked on the color and uh, with the swashes and it's just so elegant, Matt. It's beautiful. It's timeless. I remember the small model because some of these small models you see come in and uh, I'm like, I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Up. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And didn't you tell me, because I've got, I love these quirky facts, that all these one-offs that you have to design, that are, there are no like approximations surrounding the safety or the durability. I mean, you have to use your educated guesswork. Didn't you tell me that, you know, you factored in if like a 200-pound man shimmied up to the top of the tallest one and like waved it back and forth, it wouldn't like shear off or something like that? Yeah, those those are the conversations we don't normally have with a structural <laughs> engineer, but we had to factor that one in because yeah. you just never know what happens in a downtown environment. But yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of concrete on that base, but even then getting into the detailing of, of the exposed piece of the concrete and... I can't remember how many textures we looked at for the patterning on that concrete as well because mm-hmm. we want people to come over and look closely and engage with it and, and sit down. And yeah. the concrete guys, the trades guys that came and, and poured that base put in just as much effort as everybody else to finish it off. Those footings go down, what, eight feet? Uh, yeah, six to eight feet. I can't remember. Yeah, it's, no, it looked yeah, like a room in yeah, a house. It's a 16-foot diameter base i think it's just sure yeah, solid concrete to make sure it doesn't fall over and turn yeah. over so yeah well to our listeners if you uh haven't seen it look it up it is visually it looks new york chicago not that lansing nothing wrong with lansing just saying it fits in and yet it doesn't look like it's part of this area it's beautiful there are colored leds that beam on this thing at night so it is it's a beacon at night and working in marketing i mean i'm just the photographic opportunities that we can take with kids in front of it or graduating classes and having this thing as a backdrop is just uh, limitless. 
Yeah. It was a great opportunity. Very happy to do it. And we, uh, yeah. we liked it so much. We used it for our holiday card for the office that year. So it, it is a, a great photo spot. So I hope people take advantage of it. Glad to hear that. And then um, I, I need to also mention none of this would have been possible without Andrew Abood. That's very true. Andrew is a trustee, law firm, an attorney, family, longtime flamplay in, in Lansing and and the family is very civic minded. Mm-hmm. And Andrew was in my office. I think I had a rendering or two and explained it all to Andrew. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you know anyone that I could talk with about funding this? And he really liked it. And all of a sudden he just said to me, I'll make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so Andrew donated the funds mm-hmm. so that we could have upward bound. It was a goodly amount of money. It was. It was. And so I'm most grateful and appreciative to everybody that made it happen. Matt and his firm. and yeah, It's not an everyday thing. And you and the contractors that made it work. And mm-hmm. I think it'll be an iconic piece for the college and the community. It already is. It already is. And Dr. Knight, touching briefly on you're a master at the philanthropic angle of allowing sponsorships or involvement with community members and our art pieces. Naming rights, you know, if you donated a certain amount and engaging, it wasn't just money out of our pocket. Because I remember we'd build these presentations and the next project we're going to discuss is the clock tower. Lansing Community College has a clock tower and it's beautiful. Matt was involved in the design of this, mm-hmm. getting the Granger family to step up. Um, this thing covered, I think it was a steam vent from an old welding thing. Welding the, exhaust. The, yeah. When the college was built, yeah. the welding shops were underneath it. And so it was exhaust mm-hmm. for our welding. It was also a, an aesthetic quality, and it had kind of the brutalism yeah. feel to it. So when I came to Lansing in 2008, I said to myself, I am going to deal with that. Yeah, nope. <laughs> yeah, it's, it was ugly. And there's no two ways about it. And it was associated heavily. How do you even describe it? Thor's hammer in cement, maybe? Um, uh, there was just, there was literally a week ago, just a tweet about it because somebody had pulled it out of the archives and, mm-hmm. and it went around and everybody was, yeah, flying saucer. Yeah. You know, something stuck on the end of a stick. It was it was a unique piece. It, nobody was really attached to it emotionally yeah. because it was that bad. Right. You know, um, I thought it was a water tower. Somebody told me years ago it was a water tower or whatever. But at any rate, Matt, can you describe the process in beginning something like this? I mean, do you decide on the scope? Is there a budget thing that guides things? Obviously, I'm sure there is. No, yeah, but with, with this one, um, again, it was kind of a, a logistical thing. We talked about it in the past and just the logistics of removing what was there and building something new over it. How much of the existing do we leave behind and use mm-hmm. as a framework for the new? Again, the question of height came up over mm-hmm. and over again, and I mm-hmm. think there was its recurring theme, but make it taller was was commented a few <laughs> times. Um, <laughs> and, and we did the best the, the best we could with what was there to build upon but this one, we had, you know, a clock tower has a certain sense of properties and characteristics that you have to maintain um, to call it a clock tower. So we had that as a basis. We had the existing conditions as a basis. 
And then it was just trying to work through the details of how to make it work and then what the right proportions were. And again, we went through multiple iterations of what does a clock tower want to look like. We looked at other examples from other places in the world and landed on a solution that I think worked very nicely for this college and worked out to be the right height uh, for visibility both on campus and then from downtown as you're approaching it. It's you know, that thoroughfare coming towards campus is a really good spot. So while the original construction may not have been something that people wanted, the location of it was very much a key player in, in being able to turn it into something useful. And a clock tower is a great thing to have. So I hadn't even considered that. Yeah. The, the spot is perfect because it doesn't have a bad angle. And the carillon, the bells, mm-hmm. are digital, yes. right? And they sound real. I mean, it sounds like there are bells like vibrating in this and it just lends an air of elegance again with the elegance to our campus where you feel like you're somewhere when that thing goes off and you're walking by it It gives you chills a little bit knowing what was there before it was there anything that came up short that you were disappointed in or any challenges any curveballs when you decide to design a clock tower well, I think the not necessarily that it came up short, but but the challenges were definitely the idea that even though it's a digital clock and everything else, you obviously need to be able to maintain and access the innards mm-hmm. of the structure itself. And that was one of the most difficult pieces of just figuring out how to get people up from inside. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's not necessarily space that everybody in the public will get to see, but for those that do, it was a logistical feat to get the staircase and everything inside that structure while at the same time being able to do what we did on the outside. You know, I think the fun part of that project was seeing the construction and watching the top of the tower be built at grade and then picked up by a crane and set in place and just kind of being able to see that from different angles from adjacent rooftops and things. Uh, was really kind of the finishing touch. It is kind of the the icing on the cake to see that land on top of the tower. The challenge of figuring it out was one thing. The challenge, again, of the construction was another, and the tradespeople that did that were really talented and and able to do it. The plaza at the base is another nice touch that Mm -hmm. I think is is another little area of respite for people from the main pedestrian mall and mm-hmm. gives some more nice photo opportunities and things. No, intentional design at its best. Yeah. Well, next I want to talk about something, a, a project that's near and dear to my heart. I think it's a, my favorite of all the many things I've had the honor of working on here is the words kiosk that you helped us out with. And briefly, Dr. Knight, I think that you got the ball rolling design-wise with this. Yes, the concept came from Los Angeles, where we had the idea. And Tanya, I think, brought it to me first. And I thought, well, that's really wonderful because I want to welcome people to the college Mm -hmm. in all languages so that that's my language. I'm welcome here. That was a primary goal. And then there was directional utility as well. So Mm -hmm. we were trying to make it work in form and function Mm -hmm. and at night and during the day, Mm -hmm. something we could fabricate ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we had all those preconditions. And again, we assembled great people and teams and we were able to execute it. And we met and exceeded all expectations. It does everything we had wished. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it became operational, some of our 
folks were doing some video out on the mall, and a student, I want to say Iran or Iraq, one of those countries, Mm -hmm. he just said, you see that? That's my language. Mm -hmm. And I took photos in in broken English, and Mm -hmm. he said, I sent them to my family. So my family knows that I'm welcome here. And I thought, Wow. That's a lump in the throat. That's exactly what I was it's just what I was trying to do. Yeah. 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 I let me describe this for listeners. This is a four sided monument. I think it stands twelve feet high. Probably. And each side, each of the four sides is maybe three feet ish. It's comprised of laser cut aluminum panels. And the aluminum panels are probably one quarter to three eighths of an inch thick. And I designed the words that were supplied that weave around and they're tightly formed. It's like a puzzle with the various languages, scripts, and some artwork fitting in with each other. Um, it took a minute to design and it was four-sided. We decided to light it. So there are uh, polycarbonate inserts and with colored film. And some of the words are blue and some are green and some are white. And it presents extraordinarily well at night especially with wet pavement again it looks like it belongs in new york it just does i mean it, it i think the panels were bead blasted and, and powder coated right yep anything weird about designing it or getting it to getting it off the ground the unique piece of that was the ability to have it stand mm-hmm. and, and be connected with minimal you know mechanical fasteners and with the intention being for people to come up and interact and be close and really look at the words in detail, you don't want to distract people with the fasteners and, you know, with with some sort of structural thing that people are paying attention to the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So the way we ended up designing it and the ability to uh, put it all together and have as minimal amount of the construction visible, I think was really key to make it nice and sleek. And the details at the corners are interesting to look at, but they're not what people pay attention to. I hadn't even thought of that. And and it's the layers and the depth that's added from the lighting, even when it's not illuminated and you get up close and the laser cut and the polycarbonate and things. I think there's, there's just a lot to it that is really nice and subtle detailing that allows you to really take it for what it is with the words and just kind of enjoy it for what it is without having to to focus on how it got put together. Truly, yeah. The example from California, I think, that was provided, well, they don't get winners. So if I remember right, it was um, open and it was friendly to the elements, whatever elements. This is a different game. I mean, we were concerned with birds nesting or whatever and lighting it and, you know, our electrician Lee working on this and they even laser cut. And I was shocked at how inexpensive the laser cut panels were, mm-hmm. I'm still blown away by the degree to which they can do this so precisely. It's just a, a machining, you know, miracle to me, laser cutting metal. I, it blows my mind. We must be living in the future. <laughs> we had a hard time with the colored lighting too. A little bit, yeah. Uh, but again, Lee and, and our folks made it happen. Yep. They brought conduit in and yeah, it presents so well. Well, what else, Matt? I know that you were involved in the um, infinite space, hanging acrylic in the star zone. Was there anything else that you felt like touching on while you're here? Because you're you're a hard guy to get to pin down. So I'm going to make the most of our few minutes that are left. Sure. No, uh, one of my other favorite pieces is is the cube. And forgive me, I don't remember the 
specific name it was given mm-hmm. at the end, but that was another design challenge. And you spoke before about with Upward Bound having to factor in people climbing on it. Well, this cube is even more appealing to somebody oh, yeah. to jump on top. And I'd like to believe we achieved the final goal, but I still think that maybe if we ever get to do a cube version two, we can get it even better of making it look like it's balancing just on one point at grade. Because I know, Dr. Knight, that was a big piece. You didn't want it to show how it was sticking out of the ground and everything. And so Mm -hmm. the design of that one, again, it's a lot of this is the innards that nobody gets to see. But when you understand it and, and are a part of it and know all the intricacies that go into it it makes a really exciting thing to see in the flesh and just one of the things that I appreciate most about all the pieces we've been a part of on campus is the environment that we get to design these things and on this campus is so much more inviting and opportunistic than than other things we do every piece is able to be viewed from multiple angles in multiple environments, multiple atmospheres. And so, again, depending on the season, the time of day, just the activity around it, all of these different pieces react differently. And it's one of the most enjoyable things that I find about coming back to campus to work on any of the projects is to walk through and see different people interact with them, whether they're sitting on a bench or they're sitting on the base of one of these things or taking a photo of it or just walking through the buildings. Definitely can tell that people react to the environment and the places and the spaces that are that have been created here through all these different elements that I think it, it makes it a very lively and engaging and um, inviting campus to be a part of. And, to hear and that. really it's more than just the coming to class, it's it's interacting with the campus along the way. So No, that's it's wonderful to hear. And it's true because our clients, you know, our students, um, they're a big deal. And providing an environment that projects a sense of importance, makes them feel that their efforts here are important and worthwhile because we do very worthwhile work here. And I'm going to get all choked up, so I need to stop. Um, gentlemen, it's been fantastic. Matt McGowhey, uh, president of Mayot Group Architects. Dr. Brent Knight, former president of LCC. I can't believe this. I have you both in the same room again. Uh, we used to do some wonderful things together, and it's been extraordinary talking to you both. Yeah, thank you yeah. for the time. Yeah. Well, thank you. Pablo Picasso once said, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once we grow up. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination.